Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Grace, mercy, and peace to each of you in the name of Jesus, whose love for each of you is resilient and endures to the very end. Amen. Would you please pray with me as we prepare, prepare to hear God's word. Gracious God, we know that apart from your strength, we can do nothing. Um, Lord, I know that I cannot preach apart from your strength and that we uh, cannot hear and listen and uh, grow apart from your word. And so we ask you that your Holy Spirit would be here. We come before you in humility, Lord, recognizing that all of our growth comes from you. And so give us open ears, open hearts, open minds by your Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, amen. During this Advent season, we are preparing, we're waiting patiently for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that this is no easy task, right? Uh, We are in a grapple, a struggle with Satan, the world, and our own sinful nature. And it's easy sometimes to get discouraged, distracted, or just plain give up as Christians. But Jesus says in his word clearly that it is the one who endures to the end who will be saved, not the one who gives up. It is the one who is faithful unto the point of death who will receive the crown of life and not those who deny the Lord. And so in this Advent season, our Lord calls us to patience, endurance, and steadfastness. And that's exactly what our scripture readings are all about today. Today, our readings call us this Advent season to a faith that perseveres through discomfort, suffering, even uncertainty. So open your Bibles with me to the book of James, chapter 5. That's our epistle reading today, James 5. You can find that on page 1013. As we open up to James here, um, I want you to see two words. The first word is patient or patience. So look with me at verses five and verses, uh, chapter five, verses seven and eight. James says, "Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it." until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Look with me also at verse 10. James says in verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. So that's the first word, patience. And now look with me at the second word. The second word is connected to patience. It is the word steadfast or steadfastness. And this means to be sturdy, to be immovable. It means that you do not give up under pressure. So look with me at verse 11. James says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So, 
As we wait for the coming of the Lord, as we face sufferings, trials, temptations, distractions, we are called to a faith that does not give up, that perseveres to the end, that remains faithful even to the point of death. We are called, friends, to a faith that is patient and steadfast, patient and steadfast. There's a word that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I think it is a word that sums up what James is getting at here, this idea of patience and steadfastness. So if you were to take the word patience and steadfastness and put them together, I believe the word that you would get would be the word resilient or resiliency. Resilient can mean tough. It can mean durable. It's sort of like my Yeti coffee mug. I drop this on the ground about once a week, and it's unscathed. It's got a couple dents in it, but it does not shatter. It's tough. It's durable. It endures. It's much different than the ceramic coffee mugs mugs that I drop on the ground, and those just go in pieces everywhere because they're fragile. But resilient means to be tough. It means to be durable. But it's not only that. To be resilient means that you have the ability to bounce back. It means that you're able to recover quickly from difficulties. It means that you're able to undergo stress and actually come out stronger on the other side. It's sort of like the way a blacksmith will take a piece of metal and and submit that metal to extreme heat so that it's glowing red and then beats that metal with a hammer and what you get is a piece of metal that is resilient, that does not shatter but grows strong through testing. I think a good example of resiliency is the show Limitless with Chris Hemsworth. Anybody? Raise your hand if you've seen the show. Anybody? Nobody. Okay. It's on National Geographic, so go check it out. Uh, So the idea behind this show Limitless with Chris Hemsworth, who seems like a pretty resilient guy, is that by pushing our bodies to their limits, we actually end up healthier and we live longer. And and so uncomfortable things like exercise or fasting or jumping into freezing water actually have the effect of making us stronger and live longer. The point of the show is that it's actually getting too comfortable that makes us unhealthy or may even send us to an early grave. And I think the same is true for us in our faith. The Holy Spirit does not allow us in our Christian life to get too comfortable. But as we face struggles or trials or temptations or setbacks, the Holy Spirit is patiently working in us, aiming to form in us a resilient faith that overcomes to the very end. Turn with me now to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11. It's our reading for today, page 816. Last week in Matthew chapter 3, we heard about John the Baptist, who um, really seems like a pretty resilient guy, right? I mean, I can imagine, I think Chris Hemsworth would play a good John the Baptist. Uh, You know, Thor, John the Baptist, uh, out there just, you know, preaching, uh, kind of this rugged, durable guy out in the wilderness, He's preaching this message of repentance. He's calling the religious leaders of his day a brood of vipers. That definitely takes some courage and resiliency, right? Except that today in Matthew 11, we do not find John the Baptist all that resilient. In fact, he seems like he's discouraged. 
John is now in prison. He's put there by King Herod because John preached against Herod's immoral sex life. And now that the fiery prophet of repentance is in prison facing death by beheading, he doesn't really seem all that resilient, patient, or steadfast. In fact, he seems uncertain. He maybe even seems close to giving up. Look with me at verses 2 and 3. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? It seems like John was having his doubts about Jesus. John had come out strong, preaching a a message of repentance. He was calling for crooked things to be made straight, for injustices to be corrected. John wanted to see evil people in power called to account for their crimes, and now he's stuck in prison while Jesus is preaching, turn the other cheek, and the meek will inherit the earth. And so now John seems to have his doubts about Jesus, or at the very least, he's discouraged and disillusioned as he sits in prison. And I wonder if maybe we're a lot like John the Baptist, right? Sometimes we feel strong and resilient in our faith, but other times we feel trapped in our own prisons of anxiety, wondering if Jesus really is the answer to all of our deepest problems after all. It is true that the experience of faith in Jesus Christ often feels joyful, it feels strong, it feels victorious, but there are times, and yes, there are even seasons in your life where, quite frankly, the experience of faith in Jesus Christ is downright painful and inconvenient. We feel like we're being pushed to our limits, beyond our limits. We feel like we're running in shorts and a t-shirt in below 20-degree weather, and we're just wondering when this is going to be done. In our faith, we feel like we just had a double knee replacement, and the physical therapist comes into our room and says, it's time to get out of bed and walk before you atrophy. Sometimes the experience of faith in Christ is downright painful. And this is why, friends, we need a resilient faith that endures through all the trials and the temptations and the distractions of this life. Because so often American Christianity... So often the popular American Christianity, even here in Kearney, can be as fragile as a ceramic mug. We need a faith that is resilient, like my Yeti coffee mug that you can drop on the ground multiple times and it won't shatter. But how can we get such a resilient faith? Turn with me in your Bibles to the prophet Isaiah, chapter 35. This is our Old Testament reading today. Isaiah 35, this is on page 595. The prophet Isaiah spoke to people who were definitely weary, discouraged, and full of doubt. They were people kind of like John the Baptist. The nation of Israel had been conquered, and they were now deported by their enemies. They were living as strangers and exiles in a strange land. And so they were beaten to the ground, discouraged, defeated, doubtful. 
But listen to what the Lord speaks to them through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to the words of chapter 35, verses 3 and 4. The prophet says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. You see, resiliency... Patience, steadfastness in the faith cannot be created by your own strength. Friends, we just don't have the ability to make ourselves endure like that. We may think so, but then life hits and we don't. Somebody much stronger than us, somebody much more resilient and steadfast than us must speak resiliency into our anxious hearts. Somebody who is really in charge and can really handle our fears must speak into our hearts and make us courageous. So, have you ever watched a movie that you've never seen before that you don't know the ending of? There were no spoiler alerts, so you don't know what's going to happen, right? So, you're watching this movie, and it it hits a point in the movie where you're like, this is a really bad situation. And at this point, I'm not sure if this movie is going to end as a tragedy or as something good. And maybe your heart rate actually goes up. You ever had that experience? Your heart rate goes up and you, if you're at the movie theater, maybe you kind of, your hand kind of grasps the armrest, Right? And you kind of white-knuckle it through a couple scenes because you are not sure how this is going to end in sadness or in joy. I had that experience recently as I saw the new uh, Top Gun movie. I won't spoil it for you, but there's a point in the movie where you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. I think that somebody's going to die. And this is maybe going to be a sad movie rather than a happy one. And so as I watched that movie, my heart rate went up a little bit. I think I literally did kind of grab the armrest as I kind of waited to see what happened. And rightly so, because I didn't know the way the movie ended. I had no idea. I'd never seen it before. Maybe it would end as a tragic story, as some movies do. Now, contrast that with a movie you've seen and you know how it ends. I've seen the movie Star Wars A New Hope probably like 20 or 30 times. It's one of those movies that you watch growing up, you watch it with your kids. We kind of know that movie, perhaps. Now, there is a scene in that movie at the very end, you know, where Luke Skywalker is flying the X-Wing through the little ravine thing, the canyon in the Death Star, and he has like just seconds left, and he has to make this shot into the little hole thing that blows up the Death Star and saves the galaxy from certain doom. And I've seen that movie 20 or 30 times. But every time I watch that scene, my heart rate goes up, and I am like, what's going to happen? Until I remind myself, I've literally reminded myself in that movie, you know how it ends. Chill out, right? Take it easy. You see, when we know how the story ends, we approach it differently with resilience and courage. When we don't know how the story ends, we approach the story with anxious hearts and feeble knees. 
See, when it comes to our lives and the struggles and the sufferings that we go through, when we don't know how the story ends, knees remain weak and hearts stay anxious. That's because most of our suffering isn't just the fact that we feel pain or disappointment. It's that we wonder if the pain or the disappointment will have the final say in our lives. We wonder if our suffering and our pain are meaningless. We wonder if we are alone and forsaken in our suffering, and that's what makes it even more painful. But when we know how the story ends, not just for us, but for all of creation, we are able to remain steadfast and patient and resilient in our faith. And even though we may feel anxiety and and may feel pain and, and uncertainty and may even feel disappointment, we're able to speak to our hearts in the midst of those things and say, be at calm, be at peace, because you know how the story ends. You know who's in charge. More importantly, it is the Lord our God who speaks peace to our anxious hearts, who strengthens our feeble knees when we're ready to just give up and let go. Let's go back to Isaiah 35. I want you to look with me at verses 5 and 6. Isaiah is continuing to describe the bright future for God's people in the midst of uncertainty and suffering. Isaiah is continuing to speak into their hearts resiliency and courage. This is what Isaiah says in verses 5 and 6. He says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall shout for joy. God's saying to his people, Even though right now you're anxious and you're discouraged, listen. This is how the story ends. It ends with joy and peace and healing and freedom and restoration. And this is exactly what our Lord Jesus speaks into the heart of John the Baptist in his anxiety, in his discouragement. So keeping Isaiah 35 in mind, these words we just heard, let's go back to Matthew 11 on page 816. I want you to listen in Matthew 11 to what Jesus says to John in response to his anxious question, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Look with me at verse 4. And Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Does that sound familiar? It's Isaiah 35. Do you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is speaking peace and resiliency into John's heart. He's quoting to John from Isaiah chapter 35, words that John would have known by heart. And Jesus is saying to John, I am the fulfillment of these words. I am bringing your story and the story of all things to a good end. Even when all you can see in front of you is a dark prison cell and a death sentence, I am the one who says how your story ends. John, I am the one who raises the dead. And I will raise you too even if you lose your head. If you know your scriptures, you know that John the Baptist was not released from prison. In fact, he lost his head, literally. 
But I can't help but think that his heart was less anxious and his knees a bit stronger as he went to the executioner, all because of the message that Jesus spoke into his anxious, discouraged heart. And friends, the same is true for you and me. If we're honest, we have to admit that we are not very resilient people. Would you admit that with me? We're not very resilient people. Sometimes it doesn't take much for us to be discouraged and give up. But what makes us resilient is the even more resilient love and faithfulness of Jesus Christ for you in your weaknesses. The truth is that we are not limitless. But the love and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ for you is and always will be limitless. And that is the only thing that calms our anxious hearts and strengthens our weak knees. We know that his love has the final say on our life story and even the story of all things. And this and this alone is what gives us patience, steadfastness, resiliency to the very end. Turn with me to one last scripture. I want to end where we began, James 5, page 1013. Let's go ahead and read verse 11 together. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. We could spend a whole entire other sermon talking about Job and his sufferings, his resilient faith, the way his story ended with peace and healing. But the main point I want you to take home today is this. James says, you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful, the purpose of the Lord. No matter what you have gone through in this life, and some of you have gone through some things, no matter what you're going through right now in this life, and some of you are going through some things, no matter what you will go through in this life, and some of you will go through some things, no matter what, God has a purpose for you. That purpose is merciful. That purpose is compassionate. Friends, that purpose is a person. That purpose is Jesus Christ. We often wonder when we go through times of suffering, setback, and struggle, what's God's purpose in this? Why would God allow this? Why me? Why right now? Our hearts get anxious. Our knees get feeble. The Scripture never tells us exactly why we suffer all that we suffer, but it does point us directly to God's purpose for us, that no matter what we go through, God's purpose for you is shown clearly in the death and the resurrection of His Son. The manger of Jesus Christ is a reminder that God is with us, Emmanuel. The cross of Christ assures you and me that God is for us and not against us. The empty tomb of Jesus reminds us that life has the final word. Resurrection has the final word and not death. And so these are the places that we fix our eyes. The manger, the cross, the empty tomb. And we see God's merciful and compassionate purpose for our lives. Because in manger, cross, and empty tomb, we see how our story ends. And as we do, our hearts grow resilient, patient, and steadfast to the very end. 
May God grant us this resiliency to the very end for the sake of Jesus. Amen. Thank you.